0: You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh, proudly sponsored by LFG
1: Australia, lfg-oz.com.au Or you could visit their store in Canberra, it's in the ACT, for all your board gaming needs. And now, on with the show. The Dice Men Cometh! Welcome, 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 and if I hadn't severed it already... Welcome to episode 352 of the Dice Men Cometh, coming at you live from my studio. Isn't that exciting and, and going out all over the world with the power of the internet? It is, and Garth, 352, it's a large number. It is, and uh, and that's great, we should celebrate we that. Should. So let's do it. Yeah. yeah. Yay. Uh, so look, you are with the Dice Men Cometh, we are Australia's longest running and probably oldest tabletop Podcast all about the things that you can do on, in, under, through, and involving a table. Usually that would also include dice and meeples and cardboard and maybe plastic minis and maybe some combination thereof. My name's Garth. I'm here with Mark and I'm not here with the other dice man, Leon. Sorry, Leon. He's probably busy being a dad or making chocolate as he normally does. But Garth, I have good news. Oh, really? I've replaced Leon with someone
0: slightly more useful. That's even more better news. Because later on in this episode, I interview Isaac Childress of Cephalophair Games. You might ask yourself, so what do what, you what, what? And you would be wise to do so because it's a
1: crazy name. Now, yeah, so I, I want to make sure because I would say Cephalophair.
0: Well, I... I li- before I interviewed him, I listened to him say it on another interview, Yep. and then I said it exactly the same as he did, and he didn't go, no, it's blah, 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 and he correct what? me, he said nothing, because he we just got on with the interview, and it never came <laughs> up again. Um, so either I said it perfectly, when I said cephalofare, or I guess it's like a cephalopod. Yes. Um, but yeah, he, he didn't bring it up. Anyway... Not only is this, he's the CEO of Cephalifair Games, but he's the designer, he's the brain behind Gloomhaven, Frosthaven, Jaws of the Lion, all those things and more. And one of the exciting things he talks about in the interview is the upcoming Gloomhaven
1: role-playing game. Wow. I don't want to tease it too much. Well, you can do that in the interview. Yes. And fellow listeners, you've just received a very good insight into the life of a Dice Man, because do you want to guess who told me that I'd be doing the introduction and sort of going through what the show's about? Yeah, that's right. It was Mark, the (laughs) one who just explained what we're going through in the show. So that's what we have to put up with. Uh, That's the joy of being a tabletop podcaster. So look. Thank you very much for joining us for episode 352. We are going to be starting with you and I, Mark, talking about our recent experiences mm. with Jaws of the Lion. That's and right. we do need to say thank you to, um, I guess, Ross, particularly from formerly Cephalofair Games, but now Cephalofair Games, yeah. um, who was very, very generous in not only providing us a review copy of Jaws of the Lion but also coordinating the interview that Mm. you and Isaac have. Uh, So, yeah, we're going to start with that. We'll then go into the interview, and then very excitingly for anyone who is anyone in the board gaming tabletop convention scene, another little shout-out about our BorderCon competition, about how you can get tickets to an already sold-out event.
0: And you know what you could do with those tickets, Garth? You could show up with a copy of Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion... You could spend your whole weekend, you and maybe three new friends. Or given the fact that we're giving two tickets away, maybe you take a friend,
1: you find two new friends,
0: and you spend the whole weekend playing Jaws of the Lion. Well, there
1: we go. But look, we better just take a little break, compose ourselves, and then you will come back with Mark and I talking about our initial impressions about Jaws of the Lion. You're with the men Cometh. The D-
2: Hi, I'm Isaac Childress, uh, the designer of Gloomhaven and Frosthaven, and uh, you're listening to The Dice Man Cometh. The Dice
1: Man Cometh. All right, welcome back. Now, what this is not going to be is a review of Gloomhaven. So, if you don't know what And who a Gloomhaven is. We will give you a very brief rundown of this. But this is going to be about Jaws of the Lion. Which is in essence a game that was released after Gloomhaven. Mm. Using all of the Gloomhaven mechanics. Although it is a prequel to Gloomhaven. So Gloomhaven is formally the number one game in the world. So it was really exciting when we got to interview the designer of the number one game in the world. And then the Dice Man effect played its role. And it's now the third best game in the world. (laughs) There you go. No, but Garth, what did it, you say to
0: Isaac? The exciting thing is, did you know that Jaws of the Lion itself, which is a spin-off, let's say, using television uh, metaphors, a spin-off of the original, is now at number seven most bestest board game in the world on the BGG ranking and climbing. I wonder bizarre.
1: if the streams will cross and the student will become the master. Well, here we go. So the very short version of how you play, in this case, Jaws of the Lion, uh, it is a card management game where one to four players play a party of mercenaries. Let's just say that your mercenary group is called the jaws of the lion mm. and as such you will be going on rampaging and rollicking adventures throughout the world of the gloomhaven universe <laughs> uh, where the goal will be to do a thing whether that is to kill all enemies attack some rocks kill some people and attack some things get some treasure achieve certain things that will become revealed to you as you go through the 20, 25 maximum scenarios, of which you'd probably not play all of them. Mm. And that is very similar to Gloomhaven, except that Gloomhaven is about four times as big. It is multiple times more as expensive and has closer to 100 scenarios in there, which, again, you'll never do all of them in one run through, but you'll potentially get close. So you're going to start this game, as you do with so many games, opening the box And that in itself is a very different experience when you open a Gloomhaven box. Sure is. As opposed to the Jaws of the Lion box. Gloomhaven is akin to opening up a deep freezer um, that is full (laughs) to the brim with stuff.
0: Yeah, Falling in a couple of times, chucking out a few bits that you can get your hands on. And then coming up with like arms full of stuff. I was going to say another word. And then just
1: chucking it all out and going, all right, what do we do with this? I still remember the days that I spent punching all of the components <laughs> for this, uh, uh, it was it was a scary experience. Whereas Jaws of the Lion is much smaller, mm. and essentially you don't have all of this work to do when you open the box because it is a self-contained separate experience. Although it's in the Gloomhaven universe, and it is kind of like my first introduction to Gloomhaven. Yeah, and that is brilliant if that's what you like so you're going to open the box you're going to divvy up all of the roles of which there are four you've got the demolitionist you've got the red guard you've got the hatchet and you've got the void warden and I need to say we're not going to be spoiling what it is you're going to do you only have these four character classes it's quite clear that that's what you're going to play so Mm -hmm. it's no secrets Uh, you'll divvy those up however you see fit you'll have your little character envelopes as you do Um, and you'll set up your first encounter which will have some monsters and have some things, but this is where straight away Jaws of the Lion is different. Yes. There's no map tiles that you need to set up because it's all in these scenario books. You'll flip open these sort of spirally um, books and it's got the maps pre-made, right there, ready for you to go. It's got the monster locations there and it'll tell you what type of monster, whether it be a standard one or elite for the number of players that you're playing. It tells you all the traps that you might have or if there's any terrain, things that might you know, be to be aware of, treasures, all of that kind of hoo-ha. I guess the point is, Gloomhaven might take an eternity to set up each scenario. Mm-hmm. Jaws of the Lion, even straight out of the box might take what well you yeah your box like what what would you say 10 minutes 10
0: 15 minutes really starting completely from scratch and then once you've got everything in the little tray and you know what you're doing i mean it's almost if you've got someone helping you set the monsters up five to 10 minutes maximum and the same for pack down which is amazing because let's just say garth you and i we went in 50-50 <laughs> on the original Gloomhaven. I think it was in the second Kickstarter That's round right. where we were like, oh, mm, should we should we bring them in? Oh, what the hell? We're bound to bound to play it so many times. We went in half and half. We played it with one group, maybe three scenarios that sort of petered out. We started with another group. We maybe got up to four scenarios. And a massive reason for the petering out was half an hour, 45 minutes setup. up, yep. similar pack up time, reading through a massive rule book first and trying to explain it to the others. This takes a completely different approach because not only is the setup so much easier, but you have a start guide, which says, okay in the scenario one, you just take these cards and they're very basic cards and they also have extra instructions where instead of just relying on keywords and symbols, you actually have the words written down on the card as to how the card works.
1: Yeah, and this is a really clear indication that, that Isaac has made a conscious decision mm. to make this much more accessible. Even though, at the time that Jaws of the Lion came out, Gloomhaven was already a rip-roaring success. What, well, was the number one game on Board Game Geek? Absolutely. He identified that the the barrier to entry in this game is is size and rules and potentially... How am I going to increase my customer base of gamers? Uh, I'm going to start by doing this game, which was ex- originally an exclusive into Target in the USA. Yeah. So it was like, I-, I want to get this into mainstream um, hands. So you open it up. And yes, Mark, as you say, your introductory cards that each of you are going to have really clearly explain what each of those cards are going to do. And again, anyone who's played Gloomhaven, it's exactly the same mechanics. You're going to choose two cards on your turn. You're going to play the top half of one card, the bottom half of the other card. You need to play the scenarios from one at least through to to five, which are kind of like introducing all of the the eventual mechanics in the game. And you need to forget everything you have learned about Gloomhaven when you play this because it drip feeds you mechanics as you play. And uh, a lot of the time, including... The very first turn that any of us played in scenario one, a player tried to do a thing <coughs> that, yes, is eligible in Gloomhaven, yes. but was not eligible in scenario one of Jaws of the Lion. Yes. So please follow the rules.
0: Yeah. And as we said, you know, the fact that instead of having to devour a 50 page rule book, you've probably only got maybe. A third of the rules, which it explains in just a few pages, so even as the person who set it up and, and is teaching it, you can literally just read through those those pages to explain those very basic of rules, and then effectively all the remaining rules are introduced
1: steadily in scenarios two, three, four, and five. That's right, and, and it is so much more user-friendly, and I see this as being a really good family favourite kind of, mm. you know, RPG kind of game where you know four four family members can go around and you can have this dungeon crawl that has sort of a yeah RPG elements depending on how you want to play it but it's not going to get bogged down in rules and checking BGG and checking the rule book and going and checking the Rodney video and doing all this stuff because it is really quite streamlined and that's great. So you're going to be doing your adventure you're going to be playing your cards and as you go through the various I guess, introductory scenarios, you'll get access to potentially more cards that you can use, potentially more abilities that you'll be able to have access to. And this is where the characters really start to sort of break off into their their four main roles. You've got, um, you know, the demolitionist, who is good at destroying obstacles uh, and you know being able to smash things and maybe push and pull enemies into certain traps you've got the red guard which is sort of a protector but also a good little um, I guess melee attacker they're going to be able to do that you've got the hatchet which does a lot of range damage Uh, and then you've got mark yourself as the void warden Mm. who is the support character Um, I'm too scared to fight I'm not going to do that but I'll come back and I'll heal you I'll put some band-aids on when you're done I'm here to help yep so in our case we've got those four Um, it's your self as the as i say the void warden i am the uh the demolitionist mm. so i make things go boom i am a you're a quattril i'm a quattril which is a little creature thingy
0: yep. which is in the the story of gloomhaven there you go uh, i'm a human yes uh, my name is karen that's good <laughs> i'm here uh, to
1: help excellent uh, we've got our uh our red guard um who's played by trent and he's vermilion uh and he he seems to have a death wish.
0: Yeah, yeah, he, he's some sort of a, like a, not a full-on demon, maybe like a part demon. they called Valrath, and I still don't understand what it means, but he's got horns, he's got fancy shiny red armour, and yeah, he
1: likes to run off and not wait for me to come along and heal him. That might speak more about Trent than, yes. <laughs> uh, than the character. And then we've got Hatchet, uh, played by a friend of ours, Carl. His name is Barry. Barry so the Hatchet. Barry the Hatchet. Yeah. Uh, and he does ranged attacks. Uh, and gets frustrated when his plans don't go to <laughs> fruition, which is exactly what happens in Jaws of the Lion like it does in Gloomhaven.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I mean, look, the joys of Gloomhaven, where you can plan out the turn as much as you like with your cards, looking at the board state as it is, knowing r- when you're going to go, and maybe a very vague idea of when your friend's going to go in terms of the initiative mechanic, mm-hmm. is still here in uh, Jaws of the Lion, and in fact doesn't change at all. And again... You will flip a monster card and it will have their initiative and then things will turn to custard very quickly. Correct. And look, I mean, I know for me, one of the things that I thought, I think we can get our friend Carl the Euro gamer, who likes to min-max and strategize everything. I think we can get him to enjoy this game if instead of throwing him in the deep end as you'd have to with Gloomhaven, we slowly step him up and he will get to... Firstly, understand how his character works, what it's good at, what it's not so good at, but also then understand how the game works. And look, i say we've been reasonably successful in that Carl has said, yes, I want to play the next scenario. And now we're up to scenario five and Carl still wants to come along and play. So I think that's a big tick yes. for Jaws of the Lion to enable him to do that because I... And very, very positive that if we threw down Gloomhaven and chucked him in there at the deep end, he would have struggled through it. He would have got frustrated by the end of the first campaign and to be, yeah,
1: this is really not for me. Yeah, agreed. And this is the strength that Jaws of the Lion brings to mm. the table, which is its ability to bring in new gamers to this this genre, this type. And rather than saying, go and buy Gloomhaven, of course, like almost everyone, we would say go and buy Jaws of the Lion. Yeah. This is your first dipping your toe into this universe. It's so much cheaper. It's so much more new um, gamer-friendly. Um, and if you love it, you'll be done relatively quickly with the 20-odd the, the scenarios. Uh, and then you can go and buy Gloomhaven or Frosthaven for sure, uh, as long as you know you like the mechanics. And I think one of
0: the things to remember, though, Garth, is um, I, I did make the mistake when talking to Isaac of saying, oh, this game, which is an intro to Gloomhaven, uh, you know, he did point out to me that at... 20 to 25
1: games, so potentially you're going to have to play this game 20 to 25 times. And that must be said, already the scenarios are getting long. Yeah. The first couple of scenarios, relatively quick, hour-ish. We're already at least doubling that. Of course, we pay a price (laughs) in time tax because that's the nature of how we play. We chat, we have drinks, we talk about it. Sometimes, you know, decisions take longer than they need to be. The point is our last game, probably got to maybe three three and a half hours
0: yeah and we look we know we do we do go on a bit but what he pointed out to me exactly is you know you don't a lot of your other games you're not going to play 20 to 25 times and certainly you're not going to do that and at the price point correct of this which is around the still around the 50 6
1: Well I would say I would say 50 is about the the current 40 to 50 is probably the current second hand. Okay. Price. Um, and and thankfully it does come up quite a bit because it is quite easy to play and then to reset. Yeah, that's right
0: because I mean the only thing in the in the game itself that you can't reuse are the stickers you put on the map. and there is a very cheap aftermarket sticker and map set that has repealable stickers. So if you want to even
1: do that... Sec- can... uh, brand new in Australia, high 60s, low 70s. There you go. So, I mean, it's it's a quite a cheap price point for the amount of game you're getting. Yes.
0: And you might get to the end and go, yeah, I'm good with Gloomhaven. I don't need to move on. But I don't think so. I think the thing is, this is going to hook you in and go, I want more. And then you can move on to the big daddy, Gloomhaven, where you've got, as you said, up to 100 nearly a 100 scenarios a way more characters and you've got that base of oh but now i know how this game works and then maybe then you're willing to spend that extra time with it with the setup and the pack up
1: absolutely and uh if you're going to go down that path <coughs> uh obviously Frostoven has just launched and it came very wisely mm. you know if you chose to pay a few more dollars um to get an insert that allowed you to sort of actually get it organized and I would suggest that unless you've got enough space to store Gloomhaven plus a couple of extra boxes for the map tiles and bits and pieces, get yourself an insert because it will save you time. Yeah, that that as we said, that setup and, and pack up and pack-up
0: time is a beast on this game. And that's... I mean, it's not the main thing about Jaws of the Lion that I love. The main thing, I think, for me is just the way it eases you into the game, mm. keeps the essence of Gloomhaven while stripping back the bits that you don't need to know until you need to know them. Yes. Um, and But then, you know, you've obviously got such a, a deep world to dive into. You've got all the lore. And in fact, I mean, one of the exciting things about, I think about the role-playing game is having seen just a bit of Gloomhaven and Jaws of the Lion, there's so much richness in the world from the, the mind of Isaac Childress that, that can be explored more in a role-playing game is is a
1: fantastic thing. Excellent. Well, we'll hear about that in the interview. Mm. But look, just a couple of things, and I guess highlighting the key differences between the, mm-hmm. the Jaws of the Lion and the Gloomhaven. We've already talked about the different number of scenarios. We've talked about the setup. It is chalk and cheese so far. Um, the difference with Gloomhaven having all these map tiles, which are cool, but, geez, they're a nightmare yeah. to figure out because there are truckloads of them, which is great. They're double-sided. They are double-sided, which is also great. However you need to get them all done and separated out from each other so that you've got the ones for the scenario that you need and that takes time. Whereas in JAWS Align, you flip open the page of the scenario and it's there. Mm. Um, we've then also got uh, the differences in, in Jaws of the Lion. There's no retirement of your characters. They don't have those life goals or life achievement achievements which allow you to unlock characters. Uh, in Gloomhaven, obviously, there is. There's so many more classes there. Um, you've got limited monsters. There's not nearly as many monsters in Jaws of the Lion. And again, that's fine. The variability in the monsters yeah, is the monster huge. cards, uh, how they apply. And again, um, through those introductory scenarios, the monster abilities become more and more and more mm. challenging to combat. Really nice way to introduce yourself. Um, the quite simple fact that there is a tutorial in Jaws of the Lion sells me. Yeah. I love like it. Uh, and I wish that was in Gloomhaven. That would be quite simple. Uh, it, does it fit onto my shelf? Well, yes, they both fit on the shelf but Gloomhaven sits by itself without any other games <laughs> around it is. on the bottom shelf, whereas Jaws of the Lion fits anywhere. Um, and then I guess the time frame for each scenario. There's not really a huge amount of difference in that. Some of, the, some of the Gloomhaven scenarios absolutely are longer, but already some of the scenarios that we've experienced in Jaws of the Lion, they're not short. No. So in terms of your, your, your game experience per scenario, I think it's relatively comparable. As long as you're not too fussed about, oh, I could have 45 different types of monsters as opposed to five, that kind of thing. So almost every review you will see and hear and read will say, well, what do you get? Do you get Gloomhaven? Do you get the Jaws of the Line, Or now do you get Frosthaven? And the answer is almost always universally get Jaws of the Line if you don't know what you're getting yourself into. There's no point spending hundreds of dollars to get all the stuff if you play it three times. If you spend your 50 or 60 bucks on Jaws of the Lion, you pay it a couple of times, you've got your money's worth, and there is a good resale value on it as well. It's not a waste of money. And the other thing importantly, Garth, is just like we did,
0: we already had Gloomhaven, but we could see, well, if we had to pay for it, we could see the value in getting Jaws of the Lion to get a new party, get energised about this game, Play the 20 to 25 scenarios and hopefully, if our other party want to, carry that renewed enthusiasm back into Gloomhaven and keep going. Yep. And as I you said... Sorry, you go. Keep I going. was going to say, if you don't, you're still going to play a whole heap of Gloomhaven. Um, and as we mentioned, it is
1: very, very, very good value in and of itself. And if you are a solo gamer, you can play it all by yourself. Yep. So... I think that's a great option. Um, and because of the characters, regardless of whether that be Gloomhaven or Jaws of the Line, they're all played differently. It's all kind of open-ish information anyway, so it doesn't really matter. And I guess the last version of this is the the online version. There is versions for Gloomhaven, there are versions for Jaws of the Line on Steam.
0: Yeah. And uh, the only thing I would say, Garth, is I did jump into because I, I do have Gloomhaven on the Steam as well. I played a bit, just random, you know, random scenarios every now and again. Um, You can play Jaws of the Lion, but it doesn't play, the scenarios are there from the five tutorials, tutorial missions, but because you're using, you can use the other characters, you can use these characters, they don't play in the tutorial manner. So the setting of the scenario is there, but you don't have the introductory cards. Of so you need about. to know so, what you do So the, yeah, it's not quite the same experience. But obviously, if you want more Gloomhaven on your Steamy
1: thing, um, you can get it. Well, I feel like this. I feel like Gloomhaven's about forty-five, fifty bucks, and Jaws line about twenty-five bucks on yeah, Steam. It's, it's not cheap, no. Um, but again, if you like it, and particularly when it comes to Gloomhaven. Yeah you're paying to save yourself time as well because you're not going to spend that 45 minutes every scenario um, packing it up and getting it ready.
0: Yeah no look one of the things for me I do have to mention that um, I find fascinating about Isaac Childress is yes this is uh, and as we said it's a game in and of itself but it is an introductory game to the Gloomhaven world but he hasn't just gone You've got a dwarf, you've got an elf, you know, you've got a guy with a big axe, you've got a guy with a bow. Like, he's still made them very interesting. So the range character is using throwing axes, but he's got some other special abilities that we won't talk about. You know, the support character, it's not not just your basic cleric that, you know, can heal things. It can You can actually have an effect on your players, you can have an effect on the monsters there's a there's a twist in the tail sometimes with some of the abilities because they come from a dark place um you know and then you've got the the meat shield if you like the um the red guard. Red, red guard who, yes, can run out and fight things, but is not a super big, beefy guy that
1: doesn't take damage. Oh, no, he takes quite a bit of damage. And, and again, similar to, to our first experience with Gloomhaven, you start with not many hit yep, points. Yeah, that's right. A couple of good hits and you are exhausted. But, you know, the way they have done these four characters
0: being quite... I mean, yes, there are they have elements of archetypes, but they're quite different to some characters that I have never seen before and so obviously in, in Gloomhaven there are lots of different characters most of which you don't know because they're the hidden ones in Frosthaven again they've come up with some really interesting different character types um I think yeah and, and the fact that they're not it's not stuck in the tropes yes. of your normal dungeon crawl I really really love so it's quick to set up it's quick to play it's quick to learn Um, it's still engaging, it's still got a great story, and in fact, you could argue it's easier to follow the story in this because there's
1: less of it. Yeah, it's a bit more linear as opposed to the potential sprawling um, experience you're going to have in Gloomhaven. All
0: of those things, for me, are just big tick, 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 why this is such a great game. Even if you're not really interested in Gloomhaven, you can get so much fun out of this, but then it opens you up to a whole new
1: world. Yeah and it's not going anywhere this is this is so successful i'm sure we'll hear a little bit about you yeah. know what Isaac's plans are including this this rpg which is going to be cool so look that was us um we're pretty much done for this episode mark because we're just going to press a button and you've pre-recorded your interview with I isaac i have um so i guess what we should do is is just stop that that's it now yeah we just we can just go home uh yes
0: we will and after this break we'll come back with my interview the <laughs>
1: Hi, this is Ella from Ella Loves Board Games, and my favorite podcast is The Diceman Comet. The Man Comet! All right, welcome back. As we promised just before the break, we are now going to throw to Mark and Isaac Childers of Cephala Fair Games talking about everything Gloomhaven.
0: Okay, well, I have a very special treat for our listeners. I've got a special guest on the line, Isaac Childress, the CEO of Cephalifair Games, uh, but of course known to everyone as the designer of Gloomhaven and Frosthaven, uh, an absolute icon in our hobby. Isaac, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. I've got so many questions to ask you
2: uh yeah thanks thanks for having me and uh and flattering me so much with uh with that intro (laughs) oh look you know not enough can be said about uh
0: what you've done in our hobby that's for sure but i'm gonna start on a downer i'm afraid uh because i have to pass on commiserations when i started doing the research for this interview gloomhaven had dropped from the top of the board game geek ranking to number two now you've dropped to number three is this an international conspiracy what is going on
2: (laughs) uh you know i couldn't i couldn't quite tell you what's going on uh you know nobody nobody but bgg really knows how the how the algorithm for bgg works uh and it worked in my favor for a long time and uh, now it seems to to not be working in my favor and, uh, and that's okay well, look,
0: I'm sure Martin Wallace is celebrating and I did see that you put out a uh, a press release or at least a blog post uh, congratulating him, which was lovely of you. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did notice, though, is certainly there's a bit, probably about 30,000 more people have Bloomhaven uh, on their want list than Brass Birmingham. So that's fairly positive for you. Clearly, you're going to have to do print <laughs>
2: run number, what are you up to now, 75? Uh, gosh, I don't even know how many print runs we have. Uh, <laughs> but yeah uh yeah and and I think brass is is very deserving of of the top ranking as well um it's it's a great game, and i I enjoy it so so yeah, it, you know, if we had to be de- dethroned um yeah i think I think brass birmingham is is a great choice
0: well, if it makes you feel any better, my pandemic legacy season one game stalled at the end of November three years ago, and we've never made it to December. <laughs> Because we uh, we basically unlocked everything, and it was sort of a case of, mm, do we want to play potentially two more games of the same thing? Um, Gloomhaven, oh my goodness. I've started three different campaigns. Uh, currently, I'm playing through a Jaws of the Lion campaign. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't back Frosthaven just because my wallet wouldn't allow it, <laughs> but um, what I wanted to ask you about is before we get on to uh, to frost Raven and some even more exciting news about what's coming next jaws of the lion is ranked number seven did you ever imagine i mean not that board game geeks are everything but i guess it's a measure of of your success in our hobby did you ever imagine that that would be so successful given it's really i guess just an entryway into your your main game
2: um Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I'd necessarily call it just an entryway, right? I mean, I think uh, it has you know enough content to to rival pretty much any other game outside of (laughs) Gloomhaven in its own. But yeah, I mean, the intention there was always, I mean, like you know, in in a perfect world, in the spirit of like advancing and uh, advancing the hobby and like bringing more people into the game and into board gaming in general, right? I think. It would be nice if actually, like Jaws of the Lion, were ranked higher than Gloomhaven because I think it's, you know, obviously like a more approachable product. Um, and so when you you know you go to the board game geek rankings and, and try and see you know what game you should try out, I think like you know the, the vast consensus is is that, yeah if you want to get into Gloomhaven, um, you know you should try out Jaws of the Lion first. So yeah, I mean the hope was that it would it would rise in rankings uh, as much as possible, and I think it's done done very well in that regard.
0: Now from what I understand uh, jaws of the lion actually came to be whilst Frosthaven um was already in the throes of its um of its cl- uh, crowdfunding campaign if you had known it was going to be such a hit so quickly is there anything you think you would have changed about Frosthaven
2: I'm not sure and and I think yeah it did come out after the the crowdfunding campaign but you know we still had a lot of development uh, to do on on Frosthaven so yeah and I, th- I think we definitely took some of the lessons from Jaws the Lion uh into Frosthaven you know we added a, a more tutorial scenario you know obviously not a tutorial to the extent that Jaws of the Lion has but you know it's Frosthaven is kind of aimed at a different audience anyway you know somebody who is more familiar with with Gloomhaven and so yeah I mean I think they they're both fulfilling different purposes but um but yeah i think they're both very successful with what they what they're doing
0: i uh, certainly um i'll share with you just a little bit about my uh my jaws of the lion campaign my i'm playing the void warden thank you very much nice and um I, whilst i do find it challenging what i'm absolutely loving about it is my party uh those moments when they scream out help and i appear and i say this <laughs> this might hurt a bit this this is going <laughs> to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you and um yeah often it doesn't um it <laughs> has provided some absolute hilarious moments in our campaign and of course they think it's all my fault they think that i've planned it this way but it, it was it was your character design <laughs> can you tell me a little bit about how that character came to being because it i find it fascinating
2: uh, sure. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I think I'm, I'm really happy with, with the design there as well. You know, it, you know, it's a, it's a cooperative game, but, uh, you know, just adding, adding a couple of needles here and there where you end up hurting your, your teammates is always, always leads to, to interesting moments, which I appreciate. Um, but yeah, I, that was the last character that we designed for Jaws of the Lion. Um, cause initially, uh, we had, the the bone shaper, which was then called the necromancer from uh, from frosthaven, as as the fourth character in jaws of the lion, and then you know we did a, a development retreat where we had some groups play through the play through the campaign and, and provide feedback, and you know as as an introductory product, you know as as a product that was meant to get new people into into the game, uh yeah we just felt like summoning was was like a bit too complicated of a mechanic Mm. um you know in the sense that you know you kind of have to really fully understand monster ai to understand uh you know to to get the most out of summoning and not just kind of have it um you know kind of fall flat uh so ultimately we decided to remove summoning from the game and then obviously the the bone shaper wasn't wasn't going to work in that spot so during the development retreats uh you know, I kind of sat down uh, with with Drew Penn, who's a developer on on Jaws of the Lion and Frosthaven, and uh, yeah, we, we just kind of came up with this new character. I just kind of sat down and thought, like, you know, you know what what would be cool, <laughs> which is pretty much how I design all my characters. Yeah, and I came up with this idea of of like, yeah, this this person who who you know kind of been touched by the void in in some sense, like kind of fallen into the void but quickly removed you know this void is kind of this negative energy area in the middle of gloomhaven and uh, she kind of inherited some of those like negative energy powers but kind of wanted to turn it into something that was positive for the group and so so yeah, she has healing and all that stuff, but like you know that tinge of of negative energy of of potentially hurting people at the same time that you're helping them yeah, it was kind of a thing that I tried to to lean into there. and then also, yeah, the whole aspect of like controlling uh everybody uh controlling enemies controlling your your teammates was kind of at the heart of, of that void energy as well you know you, you know don't want to get too many too much into like spoilers for couple but course, you know yeah. Like, yeah, the whole concept of like there's this dark energy inside there that's trying to manipulate uh, things uh, for their own benefit. So
0: I jumped right into that theme and my uh, my void warden is called Karen. She's very controlling.
2: <laughs> nice.
0: Now, so I've got to ask you though. So one of the things that I always found amazing about Gloomhaven and clearly what I'm seeing it now in my we're we're up, only up to our fifth game of George uh, the Lion but I'm seeing the same thing. It's the balance in the scenarios. I've never played a game, either a video game or a board game, where the balance seems to be so finely tuned. I don't know that there's been a scenario where we haven't either won or lost basically on the final turn of the game where we've completely run out of options. How did you get such a fine balance and how much playtesting did that involve?
2: (laughs) Well, I, yeah, I mean, thank you uh, <laughs> for the compliment. Um, uh, for for Jaws of the Lion, yeah, we did a, a good amount of, of play testing, and and really, I don't know. I'm kind of at some times so, as surprised as you are as like that that the balance turns out so well, you know, because hey, you know I, I put these scenarios together, we play test a few times, and feel like oh yeah, that that works. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I guess. I guess it just works i i'm not sure i can answer it better than that well you you've clearly
0: got a skill for it and just following on from that obviously with frosthaven you've got had a lot of guest designers yeah uh including a, a friend of ours uh, ella from ella loves board games oh yeah was it a challenge then to take the work that those designers
2: did and and
0: give it the gloom haven
2: balance uh not too much i mean you know so yeah, to like drill down into that a little more, you know, there is like a, a metric, right, for like the amount of monsters or whatever you should have in a scenario, right? Um, and so you know, as long as you follow that metric, you know, which I provided to to everyone who was guest designing, and I kind of tweak tweak things here and there when when it kind of went outside of that. As long as you get to that point, I think like it'll feel like pretty good and then you know you play test it a few times after that um you know with a, a variety of different groups and just kind of take that feedback and then potentially make some more tweaks you know because like you know special rules and all that stuff can kind of obviously like throw things out of whack um depending on what they are so so yeah i like think you still got a play test even after applying that metric but that metric can get you like pretty close to where you need to be um so yeah it wasn't wasn't too hard uh, taking other people's scenarios and, and making sure they're balanced. You've obviously refined it because, uh, as I
0: said, I just am constantly amazed how how finely balanced things are. Another thing that I'm constantly amazed about, and and this was a question from my fellow dice Ben Garth, at what stage do you stop designing the game and start designing how you're going to fit it all into the box so
2: perfectly? <laughs> well, you know, that was uh the responsibility of of price uh our our coo yes um, he kind of took that uh responsibility under under his wing and was like okay I, i'm you know i'm the person in, in charge of like material costs and, and getting this designed by the factory or, you know produced by the factory and so i'm gonna figure out how how all of this will go into the smallest box possible um yeah so i just kind of let him handle it and uh, uh you know did did my own designing and you know when i came to him be like uh you know we, we need some more cards he's just like oh okay fine
0: <laughs> okay so the, then the the box was um like a box of holding and that you could make it as big or as small as you wanted and then he sort of shrunk it down at the end to to fit is that right
2: yeah i mean i i mean if it's not uh you know clear from from gloomhaven Right? Like I yeah, I didn't really let the size of the box hold me back in terms of of what I what I wanted to put in there. So yeah, it was really it really was you know to d- design first, you know d- add add everything you want to like make the make the ideal game and then only after doing all that, yeah, figure out how it how it's gonna fit in a box and, and ship to people. And you know that might not be uh, the the best way to to run a business to do things but it's worked out for us so far
0: at least you you start with your dreams and work down as opposed to starting with a budget and working up and clearly it's working for you so far it's one of the things i have loved about jaws of the lion is just that ability to basically open the box drop the book and the and the tray of bits on the table and virtually you're ready to go we did find with gloomhaven not a barrier to entry but a barrier to keep coming back to it was that. Uh, the setup and pack up time and it's something you've really addressed with uh with jaws of line now I have to ask are there plans for a jaws of the line type game for F- frosthaven
2: yeah we haven't announced anything yet uh yeah we're definitely thinking about it um and you know with the success of jaws of the lion i, I think it, it definitely makes sense so so yeah i mean you might hear about something like that in the future okay and then
0: is it going to be Dark Haven, Ice Haven, Storm <laughs> Haven, uh, Taz Haven? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. Well, it seems like your uh, your imagination is endless. Before we get to talk about the uh, the RPG, which is obviously the next very exciting thing, I know it's early days, but um, where, where are your thoughts going there with the next Haven?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Frost even just came out. Uh, <laughs> we're and, so uh, we're
0: so wanting aren't we we're, we're we just want the next thing all the time
2: so yeah obviously like I, i'm working on stuff uh yeah i'm working on the rpg mostly yeah. at this time but but yeah once that's done I'll, I'll be working on other things and i'm sure i'll eventually turn my eyes to to doing some some new big box game um so so we'll see what happens in the future of course okay but now the 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 big
0: news the the rpg now when I when I saw it first online, it was sort of like you know the minis, and then so did the minis lead to the RPG or did the RPG lead to the minis?
2: Uh yeah, I'd say the minis led to the RPG a bit. Yeah, that was the first thing we we decided to do. Um, you know, just based on on fan feedback, was you know they wanted miniatures for all the monsters. Um, you know, I was kind of thought that was was too much, uh, a little too ridiculous. So it's you know it's over like. 500 miniatures i think Mm -hmm. but uh but yeah uh you know the (laughs) the uh the opinions just just kept growing that that they wanted all the miniatures and so we we eventually uh, decided to to do that uh yeah so we announced that like a year ago at, at pax and then and then yeah we started thinking about well you know if we're gonna like offer these miniatures to everybody like Um, you know, it'd be nice if they could do more with them than than just play the game. And um, you know, an RPG is is obviously a a nice place to to be able to to use miniatures as well. And yeah, it just it seemed like a good idea, not just from that perspective, but just from the fact that like this world, uh, you know, though it was created with with Gloomhaven just felt so rich and like there's a lot of lore there that's uh, it's kind of under the surface um, that we feel like you know, if we provided to people, I think they'd be able to come up with with good good stories for themselves. And um, you know, the combat system is obviously great, um, and I think that's one of the things that a lot of RPGs kind of lack. And so, yeah, like taking all those things, bringing the combat system into a, an RPG setting, mm-hmm. um, you know, where people can can create their own stories and just kind of explore and 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 you know, live live inside of that uh just seemed like a a great idea to us so that's that's what we decided to do i was going to say i i
0: think you you know you've obviously hit onto something with your your character design you've got such interesting characters both in terms of new races but also your classes and so the fact that you can as you said if you all of a sudden you wanted to have uh, a a character a uh, a race with a character type that you can't don't have that combination already available in one of the games. Now you can, and you've you're taking the combat card mechanic from Gloomhaven into a role playing game. So I know it's a um, it's a desire of yours to take away randomness, and the combat card system is going to be in ro- in the role playing game, which is very exciting. Yeah. So does that mean you're basically you've basically designed a set of combat cards for all the different character variations?
2: Well, so what we're doing is by variations, you mean like different combinations of, yeah, uh, yeah, because like any ancestry can be paired with any class. so the the current plan, um which might still change because we're still doing developing, um but yeah, is to kind of create a a set of ability cards for each ancestry. Um, that's kind of based off of, um, you know, what, what classes like what traditional classes they have access to, but also just based on more like thematic um, stuff about each of those ancestries. And so then when you create your character, you know, you take all your class cards, um, which will be um, more or less the same um, from from Gloomhaven, and then combine those with additional ancestry cards. Um, and so you kind of have a little bit more deck building capabilities there
0: okay so so what you're saying is it's not like you'll just decide okay i want to make a vermling Spellweaver. yeah i'm gonna to have to buy that particular deck what you're saying is in the game system itself you'll have the ability to combine cards to create that
2: uh yeah i'm sorry you're saying like as a as a consumer like you're buying cards yes yes so, oh, so, so,
0: yeah. so yeah is it is it something where you will buy little add-ons for the the card types that you need, or that the majority of those will come in a um a base set as such. Do you is it is it that far developed yet?
2: Yeah, we're still like trying to figure out the the SKUs and like what exactly we're <laughs> gonna be selling to people. But, but yeah, I mean there'll be like obviously like an all-in option where you get the book and like all the all the class, all the class and ancestry cards. Um but yeah, we're also looking into Um, you know, buying like character packs where maybe you get like uh like an ancest a set of ancestry cards and then two two class cards that you can kind of combine them with like as a separate, like smaller like card pack purchase. Okay. That's all still a little bit up in the air right now, but yeah. But yeah, the idea is, you know, you know, most traditional RPGs you don't really need anything but the book. Um, but you know, because this is like a, a card system, yeah, you will need to buy the decks of cards as well um but you know we're trying to keep the the cost on that to a minimum you know you don't have to buy like a bunch of stuff just just a deck of cards (laughs) yeah okay i mean
0: look it it sounds really exciting now one of the things i also wanted to ask is obviously the the crowdfunding model has been very successful for you but we do see in our hobby a lot of criticism perhaps of larger game companies uh, more well-established game companies going back to kickstarter when perhaps the popular opinion is do they really need that now surely there's they're big enough to do that firstly are you going back to crowdfunding for the rpg and then secondly do you think down the track there might come a time where you don't use crowdfunding
2: um i think it depends on the products uh you know so for jaws of the lion we didn't do crowdfunding you know we were just able to to produce that on our own and 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 get it into the stores uh which was great But I think, like on this sort of larger stuff, because we're also including a a reprint of Frosthaven in the in the crowdfunding as well. Ah, right. And yeah, at this point, like we don't have the capabilities to to make, uh, you know, five hundred plus miniatures for some number of people, plus a reprint of Frosthaven, plus this RPG. Um, yeah, without without some crowdfunding, and also like you know, we're also not sure. How many people, you know, want all these miniatures or, or want this RPG? And I think that's one of the big benefits of of crowdfunding is is uh, getting a, a better gauge on on you know, how big your audience is for this. Um, you know, because when you're when you're talking about like five hundred plus miniatures, again, right? Like it's it's a huge cost to produce that. And so you don't want to you don't want to overproduce it and be stuck with a bunch of inventory that you can't sell or or underproduce it and make people mad that they can't get what they want. So crowdfunding is just really helpful with for for gauging the size of 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 your customer base.
0: I'm sure there's nothing, no quicker way to send a company to the wall than have a warehouse of minis just sitting there, that's for sure. Yeah. Um now with um obviously jaws of the line, the tutorial system, we've just loved it. Do you think there's going to be a tutorial system that like that maybe uh, for the role playing game? Obviously, there's a little bit more scope for for tutorial in the role playing game where you don't have to fully design the uh, the scenarios so much. But just can you talk us a little bit more through how it's going to work?
2: Yeah. So one of the things that we're we're like keeping in the forefront of our mind is is yeah, just the the approachability of of the RPG product. Um, yeah, because you're going to have people coming to it having never played Gloomhaven before or, or also from the other side, like maybe they played Gloomhaven, but they've never actually played an RPG before. And so, so yeah, we definitely want to make it like as approachable as possible. Um, so providing like a lot of tools for GMs um, to, to be able to create their own adventures. Uh, but yeah, also like packaging in that book like a a pre-made adventure as well. So like, you know, it's kind of like, this is what you want to start with. Um, here's here's everything you need as a GM to run this run this game for your uh for your players and making sure they have a good time as well. Um so yeah, like yeah, we're definitely doing as much as we can to to make that as easy as possible. Because I do think at the end of the day, like it, it will be a little harder for GMs to to run this than you know, like a, a typical role-playing game. Yeah, just because of of like the card play mechanics and like the kind of tightness of the stamina system and yeah there's just a little bit more to consider in, in the mechanics than there are in other rpgs and in this case obviously
0: gm stands for gloomhaven master which i love yeah gloom master are there any um little nuggets of proprietary knowledge like that that you can tease us on that people may not be expecting uh any little tweaks that perhaps we haven't seen before in uh, in role playing, <laughs> the way you've come up with the innovative things, such as the card mechanic, you know, it's just been fascinating. So, I mean, I'm I'm curious to get a glimpse inside the uh, in the mind of Isaac. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm sorry. No, no, that that don't be. <laughs> I mean, see, to you, all these things are normal, but to us, it's like what he's done that that's crazy. <laughs> so, I, I look, I can't wait to see it. How how um has the news been received? Do you think about the uh, about the role playing game?
2: Yeah, I think it's been been great so far. You know, we announced at, at PAX uh, at the end of last year. You know, we did the the live play, which I think people can still find uh, online. And yeah, I think a lot of people are are cautiously optimistic. I think we do still need to to give a lot more details about um you know the systems and and all of that. Uh, which which we are planning on on doing um, during during the crowdfunding campaign. Um, but right now we're still kind of uh, in development on a lot of things, so we don't wanna we don't want to nail down a lot of the stuff yet.
0: Have you given a date for the for the crowdfunding campaign? A rough date?
2: Uh, so when we announced, uh, we kind of set it to April uh, next month, but uh, we are thinking of uh, pushing that back a little bit. Uh, just because uh, some of the development has has taken longer than than we wanted it to, so we will be announcing a new date <laughs> uh, sometime in the near future. Okay, because I was thinking it was getting very close and it was getting very exciting. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, we are probably going to have to push it back. Um, but yeah, we haven't quite figured out a new date, so we don't want to make the announcement of the pushback until we get because we don't want to push it back more than once, right? We want to set a new date and then commit to that. And so we're crossing all our T's and dotting I's at this point. And and I understand it's basically going to be backwards compatible as far
0: as any of the scenarios from any of the games. You'll be able to play those in the role-playing game.
2: Yeah. And you can obviously like use all the terrain and and the monsters and whatnot as well. You know, if you, if you go into like a a Gloomhaven scenario, right. That's probably going to be like your entire day, right. Because each scenario is designed, you know, to, to, get you close to exhaustion by the end of it so you know you'll definitely have to have to rest after after any gloomhaven scenario you play but but yeah certainly as like kind of a a big set piece of like yeah we're just going to do combat today uh you can certainly uh lean into lean into any of that content
0: and isaac finally i just have to ask did you ever in your wildest dreams imagine that first kernel of a thought that turned into gloomhaven you know if you think back to that where you are now that the you that you would have this sort of success. It's just been incredible. <laughs>
2: oh no, th- yeah, not at all. Yeah. I mean I just I wanted to to make you know a dungeon crawl game that I wanted to play and uh I hoped that, that that it would uh you know find a big enough audience that that it would you know at least be worth it to to create. Uh and and yeah just the ridiculous amount of success it's had in kind of the freedom that that's given me to, to you know, pursue other things like Jaws of the Lion and Frosthaven and, and this RPG. And uh yeah, it's all just, it just keeps getting, getting bigger and more crazy. And uh yeah, it's, it's been a great ride so far. <laughs> well,
0: let, let, let's let hope the ride continues because we're all coming along for it. That's for sure. Yeah. Isaac, uh, again, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time today to have a chat with, to, uh, our little uh, podcast from the bottom of the world. Um, Wish you every success with the role-playing game to come. We're so excited to uh, hear more about it and to see when it launches. And you're so lovely in the time you make for us in the hobby. We really, really do appreciate it. You deserve every success. Just keep doing what you're doing, okay? That's the secret. Clearly, you've mastered (laughs) it. All right.
2: I I will try. And, And thanks so much for having me on.
1: And there you go. That was Mark talking to Isaac Childress from Cephala Fair Games. Again, a big thank you, particularly to Ross, who uh, is from the the Cephala Fair teams, who was able to not only get us a review copy of Jaws the Lion sent, but also organise that interview. So we very much appreciate that. Mm. Thank you so much. And he's such a lovely guy, isn't he? They both are. They're fantastic, guys, and we look very forward to presumably receiving Frosthaven from them now that we've done all this. Oh, fingers crossed. Oh, and, and the RPG. <laughs> Don't course. forget the RPG. Oh, yeah. Now, Garth, we're going to take a quick break again.
0: And when we come back, it's that massive, massive, exciting competition with the golden tickets. You're with the diceman Cometh. The diceman
2: Hello, everybody. This is Steve O'Rourke from New York. Congratulations on your good taste in gaming and podcasts. You're listening to The Men Cometh. The Men Cometh!
0: Well, as usual here on The Men Cometh, we're going to take you right up to the mark. <laughs> hey. there. Um, Because we always like to keep things really tight as far as time goes. But before we end, Garth... We You're have, ending me? Yes, yeah, before oh, I God. end, Garth, because it's about time. No, before we end the episode, Garth, we have to tell our listeners again what they can do to win two tickets to the completely sold-out BorderCon 2023 on the Royal Birthday weekend, I'm going to call it. All right. Um, In June, in Albury, that we rave, a, rave about for at least half of the year before (laughs) and after and have done, well, for me, I think this will be my uh, ninth border con.
1: Yeah, no one's counting. Um, And you've been to slightly less? Slightly less, but I am decades younger than you. That's right. So, Garth. So, yes, no one has anything planned for the Queen's birthday or the King's birthday or the Royal birthday long weekend, which starts, for us anyway, on the 9th of June in Albury and will continue through to the following Monday. That is when BorderCon is, which is Australia's premier board game convention on the border between Albury and Wodonga at the Hoveltree Inn. It is sold out and sold out in about eight minutes mm. and we, with a very long-standing and very mutually beneficial partnership, have two <laughs> tickets from the BorderCon committee to give away to listeners and it could not be easier. Mm. You just need to contact us, whether that be through... Dicemencometh at gmail.com, uh, at Dicemen on, uh, Dicemencometh on Instagram or Twitter or anything like that, or send us a video, send us a recording, send us something, and all you got to do is say, what game do you want to play with us when we're at BorderCon? That's it. Yeah, could it could be easy. It could take you five seconds to do, or it could take you five hours to do, um, or it could take you any number of times. The point is, if you want tickets to an exclusive sold-out event that every single person who goes loves, Across the board. Yeah. Every one of our past listeners has then wanted to go again. It's that simple. Uh, We love going. We love the BorderCon committee. We love what BorderCon does for gaming because it is just such a wonderful atmosphere. And we are very lucky to have been there several times. And we have made numerous friends over there. We want to open up that opportunity to some listeners who maybe haven't had that before. So we've got those two tickets to give away. Please enter. Um, We're going to give you plenty of time to know if you've won because not everyone lives within driving range. So if you do need to organise some travel or accommodation or what have you, we need to give you time to do that. So the competition is going to go for a little bit longer now. However, don't wait till the last minute. Send us in, quite simply, what game you want to play with the Dicemen Cometh at BorderCon. Easiest way, I think, personally, email dicemencometh at gmail.com but any any of the socials at Men including on our Facebook page. That's yes, right. And...
0: Tell us what game you would love to play with us. Hey, we're easy. We'll play anything.
1: If you want to get a couple of one episode of Jaws of the Lion in, I'm sure we could get that done. I wouldn't be surprised if Frosthaven makes an appearance oh, yeah. at BorderCon this year, so I'd be happy to <gasps> say one scenario oh, of yeah. Frosthaven. That'd be great. Um, as long as whoever brings it sets it up yeah and packs it away (laughs) yes i'll be there for the middle two hours not the four hours I (laughs) decide.
0: anyway thank you so much for listening to episode 352 thank you again to the team at cephalofair games for providing us with a review copy of george the lion and for providing isaac for my interview i hope you enjoyed it we'll be back with you shortly but until then keep playing games keep having fun keep living life and most importantly Keep listening to The Diceman Cometh. Bye. Bye. The Diceman Cometh. You've been listening to another episode of The Diceman Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au For all the details of their online and physical retail store, you can find us at dicebandcommenth.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.